This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today we're going to do another episode in the Botching Afghanistan series, and this is with a new guy to you. This is Eric Maddox. So if you don't know who that is, he is an author, speaker, consultant, and he's a sales and negotiation expert and trainer. But also, this guy was a member of a Delta Force Special Ops team in Tikrit that was part of kind of the JSOC team or, you know, the Joint Special Operations Command team that was responsible for tracking down some of the high target, most wanted people in Iraq, including Saddam Hussein. And so we'll get way more into that in a future episode, but he did three tours of duty in Afghanistan. Afghanistan, and he's an expert interrogator. And so he had a lot of really good insights on this particular subject matter because, you know, with some of the guests, you know, I let them go wherever they want to go. So if they want to go political, fine. If they don't want to go political and be more empathetic towards Gold Star families, I don't care. I just want to hear their points of view. But we were able to do quite a bit of follow up on some integral questions. We even got into what the Trump administration's withdrawal strategy was and why it would have worked so much better than this non strategy by the Biden administration. But guys, without further ado, let's get into it. All right, Eric Maddox, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I know that we've got a proper podcast scheduled with you later on down the line. So you guys can get excited for that. But as I've done with every other person in this series so far is I just like to back away from the microphone and give you some time and some space to just express your overall feelings as to kind of what is going on on the ground in Afghanistan right now. And then we'll flow from there. So if you would go ahead and give us your thoughts initially. Thank you, Kyle. I, I think it's very important to let everyone know you had family members be in Afghanistan. If you lost somebody in Afghanistan, served in Afghanistan, I've received countless phone calls from American citizens, patriots calling saying, Eric, this is devastating. Look what happened. And I will absolutely tell you, I'm a citizen now. I've done three tours in Afghanistan. I was in Afghanistan in 04. Parts of 2009, 10, 11, and 12. This with execution of this withdrawal, it was a disaster from the idea that we thought that we could execute it that way. But I also want us to look at what our service members, what this military is executing right now. This is an absolutely difficult mission. It's a dangerous mission. And look how we're executing that. And I also want to say that we showed up in 2001. We wiped out the Al-Qaeda elements there. Taliban ran and they hid. We had this chore of trying to build an Afghan government and military, and they lacked leadership. We trained And they were capable of pulling the trigger. They had the resources, but they lacked any sort of leadership. How do I view this? As I say, I spent time over there with some of the most courageous service members I I could ever imagine. And we fought this very, very difficult mission. And there's nothing that can occur in August of 2021 that's ever going to take away from the experiences and the pride that I felt with those teams I was with. There's nothing. And for those of you who lost someone in Afghanistan, I need you to know, I hope I can be a representative 
of every single person they fought with who made it back home, who gets to live out the rest of their lives, who gets to have a family and protection in this country. I hope you understand that what they did in their moment in time, they had a mission and they accomplished their mission. These are warriors and they had to put down the enemy. We had to go seek and destroy Al-Qaeda, who, oh, by the way, was hiding in Pakistan. And the most difficult part of the mission was that we were forced every day to operate with the Afghan military, the Afghan ANA, Afghan National Army. And every single day, we always wondered, when's the next one going to turn and take me out? That level of stress and tension that then go and get the you know declared enemy of the Taliban, knowing we can't trust any of these guys. And it's not that there weren't good ones. The problem was at the top, at the leadership, it was corruption. It was stealing. And I want to say, I really felt like the most difficult part of this mission was going to be the withdrawal. And, and I, for years, I always wondered, how are we going to do this? The ANA will collapse immediately. And I, I will say, I don't, I don't have a political dog in this fight, but I did know President Trump's withdrawal plan. And I, I was amazed. I said, that, that's going to work. If we execute this extraordinarily difficult plan correctly, I think we can get out of here. Obviously, we had a change in administration. That plan was not executed. There were changes in that plan, and we see the results. There's nothing about this result from a strategy that we can look at and go, well, that was a good plan. It's just, gee whiz, the Taliban was too strong. No. When this plan got diverted, it turned into a disaster. But you think I'm going to take this difficult disaster of a strategy and look at the people there and go, they didn't do their job. They had the hardest job. I am so proud of these young men and women service members who volunteered for our military, who were doing such an incredibly difficult mission and watching them execute that and going, I'm a citizen. I'm an, I'm an older gentleman now. I'm raising a family. I feel the safety because of our military. I need you all to know this was a failed strategy. We couldn't find anybody that would support the mission on the other side, the, the Karzai government, Ashraf Ghani, they're just on, they have no integrity. They didn't, they never did, and we never will. But our mission was fought so well, I'm sitting here, along with every other veteran from Afghanistan, and I want you to know, I think about your child, I think about your brother, what they gave and what they're given right now. And you want to call that defeat? I'm not going to. I am not losing confidence in our military. I couldn't be more proud of them. Given a mission to build cowards, we know how to build and train dedicated, loyal men and women. We don't know how to build cowards. And I don't think we ever should. I want you to know, my family, we pray for your lost family member, your lost friend, and we will always pray for them. And it's not just praying for what they did. 
It's praying in gratefulness for what they gave. Thank you. I appreciate that as a great word to to kick this off on. And, you know, it's kind of hard to go from something like that, which is such a strong word, something a little bit more technical. But you did mention that you were privy to Trump's withdrawal plan. Now, I know that there are elements of that withdrawal plan that are incredibly sensitive from a you know, from a national security standpoint, all these different things. But can you at least give us a a basic overview, a flyover of what that plan was? Because we know what Joe Biden did. That that wasn't a plan. That was a <laughs> let's do this. It, it wasn't a plan. It was just, hey, I, I have ice cream over here and I got to go watch Matlock. So he just got distracted. But what was the plan if Trump had been reelected? Right. If he had somehow got more than 81 million votes, which is apparently how many votes <laughs> Joe Biden got, um, what would that have looked like for us? Sure. So if, if you want to think of the art of the deal, right, Donald Trump's his, his kind of his ability and you can say what you want about him. He knows how to negotiate. It was the carrot was after the withdrawal. Right. We were going to leave we, and we were going to say, you know what? You guys go ahead and conduct these negotiations with the, the current Afghan Afghanistan government and see what you guys come up with. Everybody knew, everybody knew the Taliban will take over once all Americans are gone. This government will collapse. We knew that. Every You can even see from some of the officials that work for Donald Trump, you know, we're going to leave it up to him. We're, we said, we're going to let the Afghanistan people decide. They were all going to be ruled by the Taliban. But Donald Trump knew we are not going to leave. As a matter of fact, we're going to give you steps And if these steps are not taken precisely, I'm going to hammer you. And we knew he would. And they even got out of line a little things and we would go in and do quick strikes. We we demonstrated our ability, right, on Soleimani and and, and just knew. And plus, but the thing is, it wasn't necessarily the threat. People think it was Donald Trump and and that strategy's threat. No, it was the carrot that we were saying, we're going to let you decide. But we will be so far gone before you're going to come in and make that decision, right? But the problem is, once the Taliban testing this strategy said, wait, we can get out of line and nothing occurs. Wait a second. We can start rolling now. And the closer they got and they realized there is no resistance. What a great win for the Taliban. Just across the world, right? The vision that they take over Afghanistan, the government, the airport, while the United States is still there. See, that was the difference. But I want to be perfectly clear. Everyone knows this, and we knew this by 2012. The moment we leave, we have no government. The ANA are cowards, and we've been running this thing, and that will never change. So that's something we can look at and say, wait a second. Why did we stay even this long? Because we didn't have a withdrawal plan. Donald Trump's withdrawal plan was very clear and the Taliban was following it until we backed off, didn't have that threat. And they said, well, now it doesn't matter. Let's just go get the carrot. Okay. That makes sense. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I also want to key in on something that you said from the top as well about kind of what we were sent there to do versus where we ended up. So obviously I know with what you do for, for business and everything like that, you're familiar with Covey and, you know, begin with the end in mind. And so we begin with 
victory in mind. And so if you're someone like me, I, I don't care about the ride. I don't care about how good of a game it was or how much fun we had. I care about the scoreboard. And, you know, that's just kind of my pessimistic attitude towards things like this. And so you have a lot of people that, so I just want to kind of have you drill you down a little bit more on this. You have a lot of people that were over there that sacrificed and they're looking at the scoreboard and it shows an L. It doesn't show all the home runs that came came about before they got to that point. They just see the result. So specifically, because I love the word you gave from the beginning, but specifically to the people that are like, hey, we we lost ultimately. It's same thing with Vietnam. People look back and like, hey, we kicked a lot of tail in Vietnam, but ultimately we we ran out of there with our tail tucked between our legs. I'm obviously, you know, painting with a broad brush here, but what would you say about people that are only looking at the result? I, I, I can appreciate that and say, hey, we won, we lost. Here's the thing. We went over there, yes, take out Al-Qaeda out of Afghanistan and then go get rid of Al-Qaeda as they're hiding, harboring in Pakistan. Something we all should look at. If we don't want to look at, we're going to look at this, we're going to take this as an L, we better look at the Pakistan administration and their lack of support and their manipulation of this entire process. We also wanted to take out the Taliban. Here was the problem. The Taliban, it's not a terrorist organization. It is the culture of the Pashtuns in Afghanistan. Now, if we really want to say what the L, what's the execution? I mean, what was the result? How did we get this L? It came down to this. People need government. And the people of Afghanistan, they really need judicial government. It's a big thing in their culture. They need judges to just handle disputes. We built a government, Hamid Karzai. They had government officials, that judges, that representatives that were representative of the entire country. Do you know that for the bulk of this war, those representatives never set foot from the time they were appointed, elected into their districts because it was controlled by the Taliban in those regions that were Pashtun, right? Uzbeki areas, a lot of Tajiki areas and Hazara areas. No, th those representatives definitely could set foot there. But where the Taliban existed in their citizens, right, and their people, those representatives never set foot there. So the Taliban had what we call a shadow government. I knew this war was done in terms of our ability to hand over to the Afghan government in 2009, you know, we did interrogations after interrogations. And I realized, oh my goodness, these people, not the Taliban warriors, but the citizens, the Pashtuns in these regions relied exclusively on the shadow government. Now we say we knew this, but we did not know the extent to which the Afghanistan government was corrupt and incapable. So at that point, it, it, it was very clear to intelligence officers, analysts, and interrogators, this is done because there is no representation of the posh tunes. As a result, there is no opportunity for victory. It doesn't matter what our military strength is, how successful. You can take out all the Taliban leaders, and we took most of them out. This is their culture. When their children get of age, they're back in. So if you're, I mean, the, the idea of how you win this is a withdrawal. There is no other option. And, and we were clear on that. There is no government official 
who really knew the situation in Afghanistan and said, we're going to leave and the Afghanistan government is going to stick around because their military can handle this. Nobody felt that way. Well, let me ask you this as well, because obviously if you look at this as a, the last week or two type of a thing, that's a very short-sighted view of history. But if you look at this over time and you say, going back to Alexander the Great, they, they tried to do warfare in this area and did it unsuccessfully for the most part. The British, the Russians, the United States and our allies. Again, we're looking at this, this time period that we were successful, like in just about every metric that you could be successful. But there was the reality of this is a very, it's not an agrarian culture, but it's a very, I'm trying not to be offensive. It's an old school culture, like seventh, eighth century type culture that's not built around democracy, that's not built around personal freedoms. And it's all kind of has its tendrils in fundamentalist Islam, not radical Islam, because there's technically no such thing. It's fundamentalist Islam if you actually read the Quran and read the ninth surah. So is it possible to even have peace in this area? Again, you're talking to a pessimist for the most part, but is it possible to have a time period where the United States and the surrounding areas there in the Middle East don't have to worry about what's going on in Afghanistan? No, (laughs) it's too mountainous. Yeah. They're too dispersed. Their translation of Sharia law is the way they want to run their government, their people. It is not going to happen. Now, they're going to have the government. We will see how they're going to handle, right? I'm going to give a little kind of thing I don't think most people know. The Taliban, Al-Qaeda, they don't like each other. Listen to me. The Taliban and Al-Qaeda do not like each other. They do not have a ton of respect for each other. The Taliban brought in Al-Qaeda prior to, you know, in the late 90s and up to 2001 because they they couldn't get any money. They don't know how to run a country and they were not recognized. Bin Laden had a bunch of money, had access to a bunch of money. But they said, hey, go hang out in these little areas and don't do anything stupid. Well, Al-Qaeda is a global terrorist organization. They conducted attacks on 9-11, and the Taliban said, you did what, you idiots? Get out of here. Of course, we came. Taliban said, oh my gosh, you guys hear planes? Get out of here. What did Al-Qaeda do? They popped across the border to Pakistan. Mm -hmm. Where is the Taliban Shura in Quetta? I mean, they're running their headquarters administration in Pakistan. And so I do not think that we're ever going to look at the Taliban government and go, wow, they're really doing a good job. It's going to be despicable. I think it's up for debate the degree to which they're going to harbor global international terrorists, Middle Eastern terrorists in the future because they do not like each other. Okay. Uh, I would obviously think that if they've done it before and they've done it for so long, why would they just all of a sudden stop? Because it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something like that. It's kind of that mindset. But this is something I asked Mike Ritland, a retired Navy SEAL. Um, sure. Everyone's worried about another 9-11. Like if you're paying attention, something similar to that, not just a pinprick strike or a, or a lone wolf type thing, but like a real coordinated attack on the homeland. And I asked him, if that were to happen, will the United States galvanize around each other and around the American flag as they did in 2001? He said, absolutely. 100%. I'm a little bit uh, less, 
I'm a little bit less convinced of that because the world we live in now is unrecognizable to the world we lived in in 2021. The, the level of depraved thinking, the cultural decay that I feel like we've seen. And so I guess from your perspective, I guess a two-part question, if another 9-11 does happen, do you feel like the American public will will galvanize around the government, I guess, depending on who's in the White House and say, let's do whatever we need to do? And then are we going to have to go back to Afghanistan like we did in 2001, 2002? Are we going to have to really go back? Not just, hey, we're going to send back some more troops so we don't look stupid on the news. We're going to send back a few more troops to see if we can pull our people out. Like, what do you think is going to happen there? I'm very concerned for exactly the reasons Mike said. I'm sorry, that you said versus Mike's response. I think Mike's right. The American people who really have patriotism, they will galvanize. We're not going to take this. We have the capabilities. Our military is so many times better than any other country's military. It's crazy, right? I don't know that our current administration, our elected officials, the people that they represent, I don't know that that is something that they're going to support. I, 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 it's very concerning. And I also want to say my concern for, you know, who, or, you know, in the future where I think we might have some real terrorism, I think it's going to come from these refugee camps. I'm really more concerned about the, the refugee camps and sort of that building up of tension with the young a, a males and the young adult males, that's where I'm really concerned. Again, anything can happen in Taliban. Nobody's going to look at them and go, oh, wow, we, we can trust them. That will never happen, right? But if it does happen, I am very concerned what the response is going to be by our government. Eric, let, let me hop in here because you brought up something that I haven't really been able to talk to people about because I'm still kind of formulating my own opinions because very few people are pointing this out. The horrible videos at the airport in Kabul uh, of the people desperately trying to get on the planes, running on the tarmac, there's something that most of those men, or <laughs> I just I just gave it away, most of those people have in common, is they're military-aged males. I didn't see a lot of women on the tarmac, I didn't see a lot of children, and certainly they were there, but it was a lot of military-aged males. <clears throat> when you saw inside that big uh, United States plane, all the people that were sitting there being taken out of there, they were all military-aged males. Didn't see a lot of children, didn't see a lot of, of, of women. And we're basically, we're bringing a lot of these people back to the United States. We're transferring them to other places. And I'm a little bit concerned about the vetting process because what if you didn't grab your passport? What if there's there's no papers to substantiate who you are and we're just supposed to accept you into different communities here in the United States? All the while, there are tens of thousands of American citizens that are already American citizens that are on the ground there. And, you know, the Biden administration's like, well, I guess I don't know what we're going to do. We don't know how many of you there are. We have no way to guarantee your safety to the airport. So speak to that a little bit, because that's unbelievably controversial, especially if you have a Christian worldview to be like, hey, the sojourner or or the, the refugee, we shouldn't focus on them. We should focus on our people first. But what should our mindset be about these people? Because I am concerned that there are that's part of the plan. The Taliban's like, yeah, we're going to get some of our guys on the plan, plane and now they're going to be in the U.S. and they can do whatever they want. I, so I'm going to start with that last comment where you get some guys on the plane, they can get the U.S. and they can do whatever they want. That's not my concern, right? Maybe they do. Those Taliban guys aren't interested in getting to the U.S. right now. They just want. Do not look at them as clever enough 
to get into the U.S., set up shop. Yet my biggest concern is, we, you know, a lot of people who are turned into kind of radical terrorists, they start off with good intentions. I just wanted to get out. I needed freedom. Then they get to an area with a refugee camp, a lot of people with similar backgrounds, right? They can't assimilate into whatever society, whether it's Europe, United States, they get disgruntled and they create this gang. And the gang is around radical Islam. And from there, it breeds. My concern, there's not onesies, twosies coming in. That's not going to be our problem. It's the thousands that come in. Maybe they do have good intentions. When they can't make it work and their children, their, their, their young adult males get of age, it is very concerning. Does that make sense, Kyle? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's... I guess the the whole time, whenever I'm talking to people like you or people that have experience in this area is I'm going to make up my own mind. I'm going to take in all the information that I'm going to take in and make up my own mind. But I want to know how to think about this because as I've mentioned several times in the series already, there's so many things to be mad about. It's hard to point your anger at one thing. There's so many things to be sad about. It's hard to point your sadness or depression at one thing. So what, what should our mindset be as Americans? What should our posture be towards these refugees, towards the American government, towards everyone that's kind of at least tangentially involved in this situation? Okay, here's my mindset. All right. I appreciate your I appreciate everyone who's mad, who's angry. I'm not saying you shouldn't be. That's just not my mindset. All right. I look at what we accomplished. I look at what we failed at. My mindset is without emotion and anger. I need us to critically analyze our mistakes so that we're going to get better in the future. We just have to. We've got to say, where was the analysis wrong? Where was the execution of the plan wrong? Listen, if we put our emotions and anger into this, it prevents us from making clear, better decisions moving forward, right? Mistakes happen. If we're not allowed to screw up, now here is the deal. If those screw ups were out of stupidity, right? If they were out of political gain, if if we find out that the Biden administration didn't execute Donald Trump's um, withdrawal plan because they just didn't want to show that the withdrawal plan was fantastic. Now we can learn from that without emotion, but then we make quick changes to that. We go, you should not be trusted in these positions, but that's not in a place of anger. We've got to make decisions that are best for this country. We can be hurt. We can be sad. You put that away. You analyze the situation, the mistakes, the good, the bad, and then you move forward. Kyle, does that make sense? Absolutely. And uh, as we kind of bring it to a close here, I appreciate you giving us so much time on this subject. One of the thing about Americans is is we're at we're people of action, right? So you mentioned patriots earlier. We want to be able to do stuff. So immediately, people were like. Who can we give money to, to help get these refugees out? Like I've, I've talked to people, you know, behind the scenes that are kind of working to get people out. It's like, what can we do to pour gasoline on the fire that you've created? I've also talked to people about like, is this a blue tie, red tie thing? Like if the red tie was still in the white house, right? The red tie attached to the orange man, orange man, bad. But like, if that was happening, would we be dealing with this? Is it going to take another red tie in office to ensure that we don't see something like this? But as, as we close here, we'll, we'll make this a final question. What is the actionable thing that us as a general civvy in, in American life can do to help with this situation? Is it voting? Is it money? What is it? We, we, we're, we're people of action. We want to make a quick action. If we're going to look at, you're talking about Afghanistan. 
I don't think we can understand the patience of this Taliban organization. They'll run and hide. It, again, we have all the watches I, they have all the time, right? It's a great point, right? They have a different mindset. We've got to say, no, this is how we are. No, we've got to say, this is how we learn to adapt to fight against their mindset. Because if we don't, we are going to struggle with this achievement. We can give money. We, You know what? I just think we need to realize that L, because we lost in the last 15 minutes, and because we were never going to be able to build a government that was going to be able to sustain because we cannot convert cowards to warriors. If we want to do something, we have got to recognize the efforts of the military over a 20-year period. Because, Kyle, you want to talk about safety and security of our country? Do you know this? You know this. This is all voluntary. Mm-hmm. We get the best men and women. Go to West Point. Go to Annapolis. Look at what it takes for these young men and women to get in there. We're getting the best to serve this military. We'd better be appreciative appreciative of it. We'd better let them know you don't get paid. You don't get the recognition. And when you come back, there's a really good chance you're all screwed up, right? Because the stress on their brains, on their lives, We have got to recognize that so that we don't lose this volunteer military. Other than that, we need to start thinking and realizing the people we're after, how do they think? It doesn't matter how we think. It matters how they think. And we're America. We adapt to our enemy. Absolutely. Well, Eric, thank you for spending so much time on all these different subjects. I know we went into a lot of areas and I know my audience is probably desperate to hear more and I can let you know that you will hear more down the road. We're going to be happy to have you back on here, but thanks for coming on here today. Thank you, Kyle.